You're listening to the Gordon Damer Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, we're off and running on a Saturday morning, Saturday, uh, October 3rd. Hey, back for more on another Saturday morning. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. So we got next two hours. I got to be honest, a little nippy out there today, huh? Whoa. Felt that when you walk out the door. I mean, look, it's probably 50 degrees. I'm a little delicate. The real feel temperature to me felt like 10. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. But uh, we got a lot of stuff to discuss over the next couple of hours. I would have to say, right, that for a good number of you listening right now, that this probably is going to be maybe not the best weekend of the year, but certainly one of the better weekends of the year, the sports year. Why? Because this weekend... You have it free. You don't have to watch the Jets. There's nothing this weekend that will be featured on the Jets. You'll be, you'll be good to go. You got your weekend free. You can watch something else. You can watch another NFL game. You can watch another NFL team. You can put on the Red Zone channel. There's never any fear, even on normal Sundays, of ever seeing really the Jets there. But you can watch the Chiefs. You can watch the Seahawks. You can watch anything that is not Jet-related. You could go outside. Right, you could go outside, maybe go apple picking with the spouse. It's going to be like uh, opening up the weekend to you. It's, it's going to be like uh, handing a, a caveman an iPhone. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Now, it's going to ruin you, right? How could it not? When you when you actually experience an NFL weekend where you don't have to watch the Jets, it uh, it certainly makes you when you realize that next weekend you will mm, like back to the salt mines. But we got a lot on the slate today. Lots on the slate. You got the Yankees playoff run continuing. You take care of the Indians. And now, next up, it's the Rays, right? That's what you want. That's what you, uh, this is what you want if you're a Yankee fan, right? You take on the division winners. You take on the top seed in the American League. And let's be honest, the team that owned you during the regular season. And a team, while it was great to beat the Indians, great to win any playoff series, there was no hate there, right? I mean, you don't hate the Indians. Yeah, I mean, look, the Yankees have beaten the Indians in the playoffs before. They've lost the Indians in the playoffs before. But that's not that's not a real rivalry where you, you see guys and they say, oh, I hate this guy. A little healthy hate, right? Good hate. So you get the Yankees and Indians. Game one was perfect. Game two, uh, less than perfect, but it was a win-win. And you're moving on. And now it's about the Rays. Monday, game one, which I think you'd have to say, given the situation surrounding the Yankees and the fact that Garrett Cole is going to pitch game one and then I guess a game five because it's every single day, you would have to say game one's pretty much a must win for the Yankees, right? I mean, given the state of the bullpen right now, given the state of the other starters and the uncertainty surrounding them, if you don't win game one, boy, I don't know what the odds are of the Yankees winning the series to begin with, but if you lose game one with Garrett Cole on the mound, uh, those odds, uh, I think they have to go way, way down. And look, I know you've heard this before, but I'll say it too. You all know, we all know the Yankees have no excuses, right? I mean, you've heard that. You heard that before the games against the Indians. You've heard that again since the games against the Indians. You hear that all the time. Hosts, callers, guests, whoever. The Yankees have no excuses, as if there's ever been a time where the Yankees had, as if there's ever been a time that the season ended for the Yankees was less than a championship, and anyone anywhere said, eh, you know, we got to give the Yankees a pass on this one. 
And I'm not even saying that they deserve excuses. I'm not. But there's never a season where the Yankees lose and the general takeaway is, ah, well, still a great year. But the baseball playoffs are red hot. Not this weekend, obviously, but the, um, the Marlins and the Braves next up. The Padres going up against the Dodgers. That should be an exciting series. You got the, the Astros and the A's. Really, anybody against the, the Astros are fascinating because you have a healthy hate, right? If you're a baseball fan, you have to have a healthy hate of the Astros, especially after uh, Carlos Correa's little comments this week uh, that we'll get into at some point. And then you got, the, of course, the Yankees and Rays. So the baseball is hot. Where, where are the Mets? The Mets down that list? No, no. Uh, Marlins, Braves, Padres, Dodd. Every The other day, you had all these games taking place. Can't get the Mets involved. You know how I get the Mets involved? I saw this amazing stat. So the Marlins win their, their, their opening round series. Right now they're moving on, and, and they'll face off against the Braves. Do you realize, this is from, uh, give proper credit, Matthew Brownstein of the New York Times. The Marlins have now won seven postseason series in 28 years. They're like the, the Dos Equis guy. They don't often make the playoffs, but when they do, they win the whole thing. So how does that matter for the Mets? Seven in 28 years for the Marlins. The Mets have 11 playoff series wins in almost 60 years. Yikes. Yikes. That will end the uh, Mets portion of the show today. But we got the football, right? Week four, you're going to blink. It's going to be week eight. Probably not if you're a Jet fan. Probably not if you're a Giant fan. This season is going to feel like it takes a lot longer. Usually, in a normal year, the NFL season just seems to fly by, right? It's, it's, it's opening of the week, open season, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're at midseason, and uh, it, just, it just moves so quickly, right? One game a week, things fly by. Not so much for the Jets and Giants. I understand that. It's like the objects in the mirror are closer than they seem. Objects in the Jets and Giants season are much, much slower than they seem. So the Giants, of course, you have them who just seem at this point, I guess, to kind of be content that they're not the Jets. But uh, you got Kyrie Irving saying stuff. Oh, my goodness. We have so much stuff to do. And I certainly want to hear from you. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. And look, unfortunately, we do have to talk about the Jets, even though they don't play this Sunday. And it's nice to if you're a football fan who watches the Jets regularly or a Jet fan. You know, I'm not a Jet fan. But you got to watch the games. And, and this year, I will say, you do really have to watch the games. You know, at some point this year, maybe it will become a point where for the Jets, you're just like, I can't take it anymore. But they are kind of in some ways must-see TV just because they are that bad. Every single week, you will see something that you will say, wow, they're that bad. I said it during the week, the 2020 Jets – you have to see it to believe it. To just simply say they're 0-4, I don't think properly does it justice. And unfortunately, the words that are used so often about the Jets are overused, that they don't have the same impact that they, they probably should, right? Like the, the term punchline. Think about all the times in your life you've used the term punchline to refer to the Jets. At some point... It just kind of gets, it's like Andy Dufresne's rock hammer. It's all, it's all the way worn down to the nub or laughing stock or, or, or dumpster fire. Dumpster fire is not even a term that has been around, you know, in the 1970s, nobody was referring to anything as a dumpster fire. When Rich Kotite was the coach, the term dumpster fire had not been created as of yet. But it has been since, and boy, oh boy, do we use it a lot when it comes to the Jets. 
At this point, uh, you know, I'm guessing at some point over the next couple of hours, the name Adam Gase will uh, come up. And, of course, we do have to focus on the Giants, too, because they do have a, a game this week and are still looking for their first win. So y- you have to, you would generally say, is this the week they break through? <laughs> Good one. No, uh, no, of course not. No, it's not. The, we're not going to ask that question. I think we all know the answer to that question. I think we should ask more uh, questions that are at least uh, up for debate, right? Like they're playing the Rams. I, I just think that uh, th- there's not really much of a, of a chance there for them to uh, win this week. I mean, just the idea of Daniel Jones in an equation. Daniel Jones plus Aaron Donald. Seems like uh, that will uh, be a dumpster fire, at least in terms of for the Giants. So we got a lot of stuff to do. Busy Saturday morning. Want to hear from you. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. But we got to get into the Jets because I, I, I think we should probably just get it out of the way. It's like a Band-Aid, right? What do you do with the Band-Aid? Do you peel it off slowly? No. You rip it right off. Right off. Take the hair right off with you on, on your leg or wherever it is. And at this point, it's almost like what's left to be said. They are worse than the worst. You know, like the Giants, they're bad too. And 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 they kind of get a pass for as bad as they are. They're at least not the Jets. Now, this past week, if that's going to be what's the, the case moving forward and, and getting blown out by a team like uh, the 49ers, well, then I, I guess they, they'll kind of kind of get the same the same focus. But, you know, the fact that their coach is still kind of an unknown gives them a little bit of a pass. The fact that their quarterback is still not as, as far into his development as, as the Jet quarterback kind of gives them a little bit of a pass. And the fact that at least so far this year, they out of the three games they've played, two of them, they've been at least competitive, gives them a little bit of a pass. But don't, don't, don't get it twisted. The Giants are terrible, too. They're going to be, it's another lost season for them. My gauge for a lost NFL season is if you're still wearing shorts and you're already Googling NFL mock draft, that's a bad sign. That's a sign that your season is a disaster or a dumpster fire or a punchline or a laughingstock, whichever the terms you want. Maybe we need to come up with a new one. I mean, 2020, it's the, it's the, we got some time, right? And uh, it's pretty clear the Giants are going to be picking in the top five again. It's pretty clear that there's not going to be this this breakthrough season that we kind of were at least uh, not anticipating. That wouldn't be the right word, but at least hoping for. Remember three years ago when the Giants were picking two and the Jets were three and and one of the takeaways, and I think I had it at the time, was, boy, this, this draft is, is, is so uh, important. I mean, when's the next time the Giants or Jets are both going to be picking in the top five uh, this year? Uh, no, actually, it's not going to be that far away. It's going to be uh, 2020. So let's get to the bandage. Let's get to the Band-Aid. Let's rip it right off. And, of course, that Band-Aid is the New York Jets. And maybe we almost have to come up with a new word because the words, because we hear them so often, especially uh, around here between the Knicks and the Giants and the, the Mets and the Jets, you know, dumpster fire. I'm sure the first time I heard the term dumpster fire, like, wow, that really, that really sums it up. It's it's been so overused at this point. The word has lost its impact, and for the Jets, it's 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 it feels like we come on all the time and say, "Wow, it can't it can't get any worse than this." And then somehow it gets. It's like uh, when uh, Lane Meyer was skiing the the, the K twelve. I now turn, just keep it's crashing down the hill, and and Thursday that was 
the most winnable game that the Jets will play this year. I, I don't know how the season will go in terms of injuries. Maybe a team uh, loses their quarterback, and but it, it would be hard to envision, even playing Miami twice, that there is a more winnable game than you just played. You just played a game against the third-string quarterback making his first NFL start, which he found out about on Monday. Now, it might not happen for a little while, but Brett Rippon, when he's not playing the Jets, at some point he's almost certainly going to lose his job to Blake Bortles. You lost to a quarterback who is worse than Blake Bortles. At some point, that is this guy who is going to take over. Boy, oh boy. And, and, And why that game, to me, is the worst one so far. And look... I I reserve the right to come on next Saturday or during the week and say, you know what? I wasn't rock bottom. (laughs) Go back. It's actually worse. That one was the winnable game. So the first three, the Bills, the Niners, the Colts, you looked worse in those games. But those teams, those teams are actually good. Nobody anywhere is making the argument that Denver is a good team because they're not. And it's not just that the Jets are bad. They're bad every week. They're consistently bad. You know, the NFL, the motto is any given Sunday with the Jets. It's every Sunday. Every Sunday they're a mess. Every Sunday the defense is terrible. Every Sunday the, the, the penalties are off the charts. Every Sunday the play calling makes you go, what are you doing? Every Sunday. Now, I will, I will um, admit when, when the Jets hired Adam Gase, it was not the hire that I would have made. But I didn't think it was the worst hiring in the world. Well, clearly now we have the evidence that it is. It's been the worst. Even with, as uh, Joe Douglas was complaining about, the low expectations, they were way too high. I mean, the Jets over-under coming into the year to bet on was six and a half. Imagine throwing some money down back you know, before the season started on that. If you went with the under, boy, you're sitting made in the shade. You're made in the shade. So the conversation this week, and look, well, I guess we can focus on the game, but at some point it's like it's kind of pointless, right? Like the game's just, it's, it's different every week, but it's the same thing every week. But the conversation this week is, is this, I keep hearing this is the worst it's been for, than the Kotite years, right? Since the Kotite years. I, I got to be honest, I have to think. Maybe it's the recency bias of it. I think it might be worse. I think it might be worse. Now, with Kotite, the second year, they went 1-15. I don't, I don't, I mean, I remember back then, one of the things that stood out was, was that coaching was really a huge, huge part of it. Not to say that it's not a huge part of it now, but you knew that when the rumors started of Bill Parcells maybe taking over, you knew that he was going to come in And that would automatically make a major improvement. So one of the reasons why I think it's kind of worse now is, I don't, who's that savior, right? Like at least back then, Bill Parcells actually existed. Like who's the Bill Parcells for 2020 or 2021, whenever the Jets do decide to uh, move on from the, the head coach? And I can tell you right now, we can focus on it, 1-800-919-ESPN. Adam Gase and the problems he's had, uh, n- no one is taking over this team and, and taking it to 9-7. and seven. I mean, this is a long-term project. That said, Adam Gase should be fired. 
I mean, I know I'm probably preaching to the choir here, and I've heard all the reasons why you can't, and none of them really make any sense. None of them make sense. People saying that, that well, you know what, it could make it worse. How? I'm not saying that making it, it's not, it's not possible for things to be, to be worse, but don't you have to try and make them better? We all agree that 0-16 is a distinct possibility and that the first pick is probably going to happen. Forget about the odds of the over-under uh, for the year. What are the odds on the Jets getting the first pick? I feel like they got to be pretty high. I saw that uh, ESPN has the FPI, and they came out, and it, like basically the Jets and Giants are equal numbers. Uh, I, I don't feel like that's the case at all. I feel like the Jets are, are way higher up, or should be at least. I mean, look at the winless teams in the NFL still, right? Giants, Eagles, Bengals, Texans, Vikings, Falcons. All right, so keep the Giants there because they're terrible too. The Eagles, they are better than an 0-2-1 team. Now, I don't think they're going to be good this year. Uh, they, they seem like, you know, with the Wentz issues and the receiving issues and all those type of things that it's just they're, they're just never going to click. I, it's still early on in the season. Maybe, you know, with their coach, they, they can figure out a way to, to piece together a couple of wins. And again, the good thing the Eagles have going for them is they play the Giants a couple of times. The Bengals are still really, really bad. I would think that the Bengals, even with Joe Burrow, you know, it's great to say that, that Joe Burrow is, uh, it's already known that he's going to be a stud. It's, it's, it's early on. Let's, uh, you know, there's a reason why the Bengals had the first pick last year. So the Bengals are still a contender for that. But the Texans, they're 0-3, but they're, they're scheduled to start the year has been brutal. I think that the Texans are going to win some games as long as their quarterback stays healthy. I think that they're going to be, you know, maybe they, maybe they have a bad year by their standards. You know, maybe they go 6-10, and 10, but 6-10 and 10 is not getting you the first pick. So they, cross them off. Uh, the Vikings, as bad as they've been, they're far more talented than uh, the Jets are at this point. So you figure you can cross them off. And then you have the Falcons, who they can't win any games, but it's almost like the Seinfeld bit about the reservation. You know, they can, they can get the lead. They just can't hold the lead. And that's really the most important part of the lead, the holding of the lead. So, so cross the Falcons off the list. So really, if you cross the Eagles off too, you're talking about the Jets, the Giants, and the Bengals. I mean, already you have narrowed the field significantly. So if we're all saying that 0-16 is a distinct possibility and that the first pick is probably going to happen, how could you ever make this worse? Make it worse. Well, you know, you could set Sam back. To where? USC? I mean, he's lost right now. And I know at this point, I know it's not a very large sample size for an NFL head coach, but it's a pretty consistent sample size, right? Like, we know what it looks like with this guy coaching the team. Don't you have to... I'm not saying for fans. I can get why fans don't want to win games at this point because the season's lost, and at least the one silver lining you can think of is, hey, I got this, you know, if you can't find the savior in the head coach like a Bill Parcells, at least I can have a savior and delude myself into thinking it's going to get better when Trevor Lawrence gets here. Or you hear people, well, there's nobody to go to on the staff. Well, there's got to be somebody. If, if these results are the worst, right, then – Anything outside of this has to be better. And let's say it's not better. Well, then it's just a continuation. At least you're trying, right? If you want to win, you ha- I think you have to fire the coach just based on, 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 on the performance of the team. 
And look, maybe that's the reason why you keep him. Because you know that you're, you're almost certainly going to lose, and you're probably going to lose by double digits. So I get fans that don't want to win. But, and that's the silver lining, right? Trevor Lawrence. But to me, firing the head coach, I guess, yeah, it probably is partly emotion and, and the kind of feeling like I'd rather die on my feet than live on my knees, right? I'd rather go down swinging than just give up. But also... You know, it's week four. It feels like it's very, very late in the season because, you know, this week after week after week. But there's a lot of time here, and you got nothing else to do than to evaluate players on your roster. And I know what it looks like with this guy. Let me see what it looks like with someone else. Because at le- right now, I would think that the players know that this is all going to get put on the head coach. And it's not like maybe there's some individual cases, right, Frank Gore, but it's not like there's there's anybody on the roster that right now that's like, man, we gotta we gotta rally together for this head coach. He just doesn't seem like he has that kind of relationship with the players. I know Sam Darnold when he's on with the K Show every Monday at five o'clock, right? He's at five and and, and oh no, he's at five thirty, and and Steve Young is at five. But he he says all the right things. But I think that for the players themselves. You know, what responsibility is there when you can kind of pin everything that's wrong with the team on the head coach? So when you say that, people will then go to, well, you know what, in terms of evaluating, they, they don't have any talent. And, and look, talent, when we're talking about the problems of the Jets, talent is obviously there. Even for someone like me who is, is, is majorly questioning the quarterback and, and whether or not um, he's the guy or not, I'm not going to delude myself and say that the Jets are a super talented team. But here's the problem for people that say that there's no talent. The coach that you currently have has a track record. And a pretty, I mean, a pretty well-established one at this point, even though he's not been a head coach for, for that long, that players of individual players who improve significantly once they are away from him, one of them being a quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. And if that were the only one, the level of improvement is significant enough to be alarming just if that were the only case. But it's not just the only case. Devontae Parker with Adam Gase was one player. Since Adam Gase has left Miami, he looks like the player he was drafted to be. He was a first-round pick. I think he was the 11th pick in the first round. And while he was with Adam Gase, he had all. He never seemed to be able to put one play together after another. Now, all of a sudden, in the year plus, all, last year was a breakout year, and even this year, he's been he's been far better. Mike Gaisicki, the the tight end, another guy who was drafted very high, and then. You know, with with Gase, didn't seem like a player. Seemed like, ah, he's just one of these guys who's a workout warrior. Now, without him, seems like he's putting some stuff together. Kenyon Drake. Uh, I don't know if there are any of those kind of players on the Jets that they'll be like that, right? But I'm not going to find out by giving Frank Gore 13 carries a game or whatever else. You know, I, I got 12 games to kind of to do something here. I'd like to be able to use the time somewhat productively. Now, I get it. For fans, you, you want to go 0-16? You want to get that first pick? And it's not like Madden where you can just kind of fast forward to the next season? 
But I think that you you can't just sit around and say, well, you know what, this if you're the team, you can't just sit around and say, well, you know what, this season's lost, there's nothing to do. We'll just we'll just ride this out till the end. I think that you could be using your time more productively than that. And the fact that they're already, you know, according to reports, looking around, they know, even they know that they're gonna have to change the coach, that this is not going to improve anytime soon. And I'll be honest with you, if you started winning some games, that might be the worst thing to go. If you end up not getting the first pick, that would be the worst thing. I just don't think that that's a real possibility at this point. I mean, again, the only teams that I would say of the winless teams, and already it's like when when there's a team that can't score any runs and the opposing team scores a run in the first inning, oh, insurmountable one nothing lead. It's almost like the Jets, if you're a team that has one win – you already can't catch the Jets. They're already too far out in front in the race for the, the first pick. So so maybe the Giants, but you can envision the Giants being able to win a game because they've been close to winning a game. Even the Bengals, as bad as they've been, you have Joe Burrow where you think, all right, maybe he, maybe he wins a game for you single-handedly. It's very hard to envision a scenario where the Jets can, can do that more than against maybe Miami. And they don't play Miami until week 10. They get Miami week 10, bye week, and then Miami again the following week. So that's all. I mean, think about how long that feels. I don't know what the date is. I would think, right, what about November? Whew, a long time to get there. So if you got all this time to just do nothing, can't you use this time somewhat productively? Now... But there have been the reports that the Jets have been looking at, uh, you know, coaching options. Not that they're going to make a move right now, but they're already laying the groundwork, obviously, because that that decision is going to have to be made. I can tell you just from my own side of things, no one from the Jets or anyone else so far has reached out about the Magic 8-Ball. The Magic 8-Ball is, uh, we we ran that poll question uh, more than a week ago now. All the weeks start to run together with the Jets. But we asked you who you have the most faith in. Is it Christopher Johnson? Is it uh, Adam Gase? Or is it a Magic 8-Ball? Just a random Magic 8-Ball. Now, nobody has reached out so far. And they might be able to just go purchase their own, right? They've probably sold millions of these things. But I'm just saying, I would ask, uh, if I asked the Magic 8-Ball right now, a Magic 8-Ball, is it time? Is it time for the Jets to make a change at head coach? Let's find out what the Magic 8-Ball says. Because you'd have to trust it much more at this point. What does it say? My sources say yes. There you go. It's time It's time to make... The Magic 8-Ball agrees with me, so that's a, that's a perfect sign. Um, do you think the Jets will go winless on the season, Magic 8-Ball? I got a Fagazi Magic 8-Ball where the, the die... Whatever you think... Whatever the thing is inside of it, the dice or whatever, it doesn't really come up that well. Uh, yes, definitely. So there you go. That's two. That's two right off the bat. I can't ask it more than yes or no questions. I, the one other part before we go to the phones, 1-800-919-ESPN is, you know, how we're all talking about you got 12 more games to go. And I guess one of the big things is how do you evaluate Sam given the situation that he's in? Well, here's the thing. If you get the first pick overall, it kind of makes that evaluation pretty simple, right? Like Trevor Lawrence has been known, he's going to be the first pick in the draft in whichever draft he comes into, 
right? If he were to go, if he were to go back next year, he would probably still be the number one. But it's been like two years now where we've known if he's eligible to go into the draft, he's going to be the first pick. So if it turns out this year that you get the first pick, I get it. Sam's not working with the the greatest uh, cast of characters, but if it turns out you have the first pick overall. And three years into Sam Darnold, you still don't know really what you have. Well, then that makes the decision pretty simple. Do you have to take the quarterback with that first pick? Even if you're not someone who says, no, Darnold definitely, I don't think you can say he's definitely not uh, ever going to be the guy. I think it's kind of leaning that way right now with the way that uh, the performances have kind of been racked up here. But why would I take that chance if I if it's still an uncertainty after year three? And now it's going to start to get expensive, right? Now is when the quarter you want to have the quarterback be successful early on when he's not making all that much money. You can spend the money on other things to kind of boost his odds of, of, of being good. And uh, that uh, certainly has not worked out so far. That has certainly not worked out so far. So uh, the evaluation of Sam Darnold, which, I mean, think about all the time we have spent talking about how do you evaluate him, what's the evaluation, and there's still people who say, you know what, I see enough. I've seen enough. I've seen enough, too. But I'm going to have to watch more of it. But I don't, I don't see how anyone could say at this point that it's a known quantity. Because it's, it's not. There are individual plays here and there. There are individual plays each week. But it's not a consistent thing. It's not a thing where you can rely on it. And that's what you need from the quarter. You need some level of consistency. The Jets are consistent. They're consistently awful. They're consistently tough to watch. But the quarterback, you'll have an you know the, the play uh, on Thursday night, the big touchdown run. Outside of that, not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. I said I was going to rip off the, the, the bandage very quickly. It took a while. It took a while. But let's, uh, let's continue to pick at the scab. Let's go to Eddie in Brooklyn. Eddie, what's going on, my friend? Good morning, Gordon. First, I'd like to say good morning to all, if you don't mind, to all my fellow um, Latif, um workers out there. Listen, man, um, it's kind of hard. You know, I know Sam is, is screwing up and all that, but he got a bad coach and a bad team. I probably could go to high school, a couple of high school in Brooklyn right now, find a couple of wide receivers that could play better than the guys that just got playing with him right now, man. You know, and then another thing. If I was Trevor Lawrence, do you think I want to come to play for the Jets? Do you do I want them to draft me? Because, like I say, system could ruin or make quarterback in the NFL, and the guy could have a lot of talent. You end up in the wrong place, and you ruin. I wouldn't want to come here if I was Trevor Lawrence. Well, look, if, if Trevor Lawrence, Eddie, and thanks for the call. If Trevor Lawrence before the draft comes around, right? We the Jets are locked into the number one pick, and we know that. And Trevor Lawrence were through his representatives to put out there that he did not want to play for the Jets, uh, who could blame him? Uh, I mean, it would be really hard to, to, to come down hard on him for saying that when, you know, three years ago, Sam Darnold was the guy and was the golden child, and already now you're back in the same situation. with the uns- I mean, the, the Johnsons have owned the Jets for 20 years, and it doesn't really seem like they got any a better handle on things now than, than, than 20 years ago. Like when you first buy the team, I'm sure there's a huge learning curve taking over something like that, especially when you're, you're going up against other teams that have been run by owners for years and years and years. But it's 20 years in. You would think at this point, all right, I kind of know how the, the lay of the land, if, if you will. 
That has not been the case. So if Trevor Lawrence did do that, I don't think that anybody could really criticize him. I just don't think he is going to do that. Or that uh, I know Mike Greenberg had floated out uh, during uh, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin that you know maybe he goes back to school for another year like Peyton Manning did. Or, or maybe, I don't think Mike fl- floated this out there, but Eli obviously forcing his way out of San Diego. It, 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 if Trevor Lawrence did that, I, I think it would be very hard to criticize him. I just don't know that he would be willing to do that. I don't think that he'd be willing to do that. All right, uh, back to the phones, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Spike in Jersey. Spike, what's going on? Good morning, my friend. A couple of quick things. Uh, on the Magic April, I have a complaint to okay. make. Not that you have a better business bureau. I ordered one a while back, and it seems like they fudged on the readout glass or whatever that piece of plastic is. Mm-hmm. I shake mine up, and I have to go to the eye doctor. The damn thing yeah, I, yeah, I've noticed that as well. I got the yeah. reading glasses on, so yeah, you definitely do. And I don't know. I don't think that they're putting the same amount of weight in the little uh, yeah, yeah. dye thing as they used to. It does take a little while to read it. Yeah, it ain't what it used to. It's fuzzy to me. I, you can mispronounce an R, and a, it's just it's just a, it's garbage. It's a, like anything else. Now, let me give you an analogy to your monologue, which was very good. How old is your son, Jack? About 10? 12. Oh, 12 now. Boy, time yep. flies. Time flies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not so, during Jack games, but yes. <laughs> so, so, so Jack is... Uh, with his device and, and, and uh, staring at whatever game he's playing on it. And, and you go over to him and say, hey, come on, Jack, let's go outside and throw the ball around. And you get a, huh? Huh? So you've got to go through this over and over again. Would I be fairly accurate trying to get the kids outside is a problem? Uh, it can be, but no, generally if I, if I say to him, the daughter is much tougher to get outside than he okay. is. He, okay. He's at least uh, open to, uh, you know. Oh, she's a teenager, a though, easy. right? She's 10. He's oh, 12. She's he's 10. 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, young. anyway, my point is going a long way here. Now, here's the problem with Sam Donald. I think I nailed it. The consistency is inconsistency, obviously. You cannot make rookie mistakes in your third year. You just can't keep making, what's the definition of insanity, making the same mistake right? over and over again. The other night, I, I, I cataloged in my brain about three or four really good plays. One was a busted play, and that's fine, too. That's but, the only good plays they have on offense is busted yeah, plays. Yeah, and, and that says a lot. That says a lot. And I'm watching, and I, see, and I see he keeps making the same mistake. He keeps throwing into double and triple coverage. And sometimes I listen to the sound, sometimes I don't, because I, I just like to draw my own conclusions. And I hear some of the announcers say, you know, he had a guy on the other side of the field. Obviously, he didn't see him. That's in open, uh, one-on-one or open or beat his man. He's throwing into triple coverage. You can't keep making that mistake. And if this, this guy, Gaze, from came from your team in Miami, He's supposed to be so-called the quarterback uh, guru, whatever, all that stuff. You know, you got to go over that. What is it like to be in those sessions there? Because Gaze looks like he probably is in a trance. It's just not working with this guy. And now his value is slipping. So if they look, the Denver team with the third-string quarterback, it's all been documented. How do they not go for it on fourth and, and inches oh or whatever? Oh, my God. I mean, oh, my God. What are you oh doing? Oh, my God, Spike. I, yeah, no. I mean, look, yeah. it, it, you can't get uh, you can't get too deep into these games because at some point it's just like there's too many things to go over, right? Yeah, the, the putting Becton in the game. Oh. Uh, the four, I mean, you're 0-3, and you're, you're sitting at home, and you have half a foot to, to get a first down, to keep the, the ball, to run the clock more, to get a touchdown, to, to, to put the hammer down, right? 
Oh no, that that was that was in a. And then you got a guy like Frank Gore, who's probably gotten that amount of yardage four hundred times in his life in that situation. He's, he's into the league sixteen years or whatever the number is. I just you know listen, it, it's bad, and you know when it's bad when Ira loses his his enthusiasm. You know he really loses his enthusiasm, like I do with the Knicks. I I lost mine so long ago. The Knicks, it doesn't matter when your favorite team, like you do with Miami, you just go and watch the game. You, know. you, right? you feel yeah. obligated. And then you just go, I can't watch this crap anymore because it's yeah. really garbage football. Yeah, and that's the thing. And Spike, thanks for the phone call. You know, the football to me is different, and maybe it's because it's my number one. But to me, football, even for a bad team, even if your team is going to be awful, you have to be there every Sunday. Yeah, you, you only get 16 of them a year. It's not like the Knicks. It's not like a bad baseball team where you can take a couple of days off and, and come back later on and, and maybe just pick out parts of the game. NFL, bad NFL teams, you got to be there for it. If you're a diehard fan, you have to watch it, and it's not easy to watch. I get it, but you have to sit there, and you you got to watch it. And for the Jet fan, that's not going to be easy to do. That's not going to be easy to do. Yeah, he he is still making mistakes that he was making that were excusable in, in year one. And here's the thing, right, because you're going to have to get a new coach. Here's the one thing that I would say, and I, he, I keep hearing people saying, Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy. I'm thinking to myself, why do you hate Eric Bieniemy? <laughs> let, Eric, let Eric Bieniemy get a, a, a better situation than this. And – he, like, think about this. Say Eric Bieniemy is the the guy that the Jets tab, right? And that's the the one that they want. If Eric Bieniemy has other options, he would om- you'd almost have to say, yeah, he would have to take the other option, considering what he would be walking into here with the, the talent level, the quarterback question, even with the first pick, even with the first pick. But here's the one thing I would say about the next coach, whoever that is, whenever it is, Gate. The only reason why Gase got the job, and and, and this is just a massive failure. His only job was to develop the quarterback. Nobody cares about the the defense. Nobody cares about, really, even the penalty. Like the penalties that they had each week, but especially this week. Everybody puts that blame on uh, on Greg Williams, and probably rightfully so. But Adam Gase, is the over, he's the coach of the entire team, and he's never been treated that way. It's always been about just develop the quarterback. Just develop the quarterback. Just de- and he hasn't even done that. But I think that whoever you do end up targeting next has to be kind of like a, a leader of men. Uh, it doesn't have to be the hot assistant. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, this guy can draw up these amazing plays and this and that. It has to be about somebody who can actually lead a team because it doesn't seem like uh, Adam Gase has that uh, going for him either. All right, 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Uh, let's squeeze in one more here. Uh, Charlie is in Ronkonkoma. Charlie. Hey, how's it going, man? I was just calling to talk about Sam Darnold. Sure. I, just, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's fair to say that, you, that they should move on from him and go to Trevor Lawrence. It, you know, and, and the reason why I say that is if they move on from him and he lands in like a, a team like the Steelers or the Saints, all of a sudden you're going to have high expectations and he's going to meet them. It's really not him. It's really the system. Well, look, Charlie, I don't think anybody is saying that Sam Darnold is the only problem. I have not heard a single person say that, or even that Sam Darnold is the biggest problem. But to look at the way the team plays and, and plays on a consistent basis and to say that Sam Darnold is not at least part of the problem, I think is delusion. He was so young when they got him, though. Like everything but you he, knew he was young when you got him. This is not – he didn't fake his, uh, his birth certificate. You knew he was young when you got – I mean, you knew all these things going into the deal. I just – I feel like if there's anything wrong with his development, it's, it's, it's 100% on them. He really didn't have – 
a chance to develop into a great quarterback. Okay. Well, look, I mean, you can certainly say that, and, and maybe there'll be a 30 for 30, and Charlie, thanks for the call, that that, that documents that, right? I, I can't remember who it was that floated the idea of having a, a 30 for 30 where it is, uh, it's almost like a reverse of Bill Par- the Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick one, but instead it's uh, it's Adam Gase and uh, Dave Gettleman. I mean that would, <laughs> ooh, I might have to. Is there a horror network that might have to be on the horror network? If there is, it certainly would be apropos for Halloween. I get what you're saying. I don't think that anybody I've heard a single caller say this is all on him. That it's all about Sam Darnold. It's all his fault. Everybody is putting. Plenty of blame on the coach, on the the GM even, the defense. There's all these things that are wrong. But to think that Sam Darnold is not at least part of the problem when you watch the games every single week, man, I I don't know what you're looking at. I don't know what you're looking at. And here's the thing. If if you get the first pick in this year and Trevor Lawrence is available, there's no way you can pass him up or trade the pick and then continue to – invest and, and believe in a quarterback who is he's if I told you on draft night when they drafted him that we'd be sitting here in year three and it would look like this all of you would have told me I was nuts the best thing you can say is that Darnold is still a, an unknown and you can't keep investing in that if you have a better option sitting and looking at you at number one and you have the number one pick it makes the evaluation process very, very easy. The evaluation process is how much can I get for the quarterback I have right now? You ever be flipping around the channels and all of a sudden you'll come across a show that's been on for a very long time and you think to yourself, wow, that's still on the air, huh? It's not my kind of show, but uh, you know, maybe it's on network TV someplace and you're like, wow, that show is still going. Crazy. It's kind of how I feel about the NBA Finals. They're still playing that? It's over. It's already done. It was done before it even started. But they're still playing it for some reason. All right. Good for them. Lakers are, I mean, we all know that, right? It's just, I guess it's just about finding out the particular, like you've already put in the, the Lakers beat the heat, and now you're just working on the, the particulars there. Uh, okay, it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. We've spoken a lot on the Jets, and uh, we will continue to do so. It's, it's crazy, right? This, especially in this point, and it's probably been true the entire year, we all, with the state of the world, we all need a distraction. We all need something else to focus on, something to give us a little joy in our life, or not necessarily even joy, just something else. I can't, you can't take, you see the news every day, everything's so divided, this and that, and uh, we're that distraction. And for some reason, we're that distraction, and that distraction is talking about the Jets. So I don't know if uh, that, <laughs> that might be the right way to go or not. But that's what we're doing, and we'll continue to take your phone calls at 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. But I did want to just kind of touch on the Yankees because, look, before the show gets too old, it's going to be over, right? Two hours, even two hours. I can squander enough time with my ADHD to to squander even two hours. I could be on for five hours, and I'd still be at the end of the five hours. How did I run out of time? But the Yankees, as as they get ready for the Rays, and as I said in the open, you know, it's good to have a little healthy hate. And that's what you have for the Rays, right? You have some healthy hate. So now that you're moving on to the division series, it is, it is a step up in class, right? The Rays were the best team in the AL. They own the Yankees this year. Uh, in terms of the Indian series, 
the the big thing there to me was game two actually was more impressive than game one. Game one, everything goes right. You know, four pitches in, you got a judge home run, you got Garrett Cole on the mound, didn't really need the bullpen. Game two, plenty went wrong, and you still were able to uh, to to win a series. So it's nice that I didn't, at least for the Indian series. That it could still be true later on, but at least I didn't hear the blame of all the the typical things that get blamed when the Yankees season ends or that they fail in the play. You know, there were no complaints this week about the analytics. Apparently, the analytics department was running just fine. No problems with the number crunching. Not when Gio Urshela is doing what he's doing or Luke Voigt or DJ LeMayhew, the patron saint of base hits. I didn't have to hear about how Garrett Cole was overpaid. At least not yet. I might hear about that later. Trust me, that that, that, that uh, term is, uh, is in the chamber. They, they are waiting to use that one. It still will lose. It, it will still happen if they lose at some point. You paid all this money. Blah, 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 blah. No problems with that. No problems this week with the home run or a bust approach. None. No problems with that at all. I haven't heard one person complain about the maybe in game two when they blew the lead, right? They blew the couple of leads. No complaints about Stanton who played well. No complaints about Sanchez who came up big. So all good stuff. I mean, obviously the two big things moving on, bullpen, you know, usually the bullpen, at least going into the playoffs, is the strength for the Yankees. This year, that circ- that tight circle of trust, boy, that is a tight, in the words of Tuco Salamanca, tight, tight, tight. It's a very tight circle of trust. Chapman, Britton, Green, and if anybody else would like to join it somehow through your performance, that would be great. I'm looking at you, Adovino. I'm looking at uh, Johnny Lasagna. I'm looking at hold someone, anyone. And uh, it, look, they won the series, so there's not been a lot of criticism of Aaron Boone. And I think that he does get a lot of unfair criticisms at times because, you know, the role of manager has changed as much as it is, right? Like coming up with the lineup. I don't know that he's exclusively coming up with the lineup. I think that people are, you know, suggesting it's a collaborative process. The resting of guys, I don't think that he exclusively came up with that. Now, he's the front man. He has to answer for it. But game two, whew, they were, uh, it's crazy to me that this is now year three. We're talking about Sam Darnold making some of the same mistakes in year three. How about Aaron Boone making some of the same mistakes? He went into game two with a fully stocked bullpen. And it was still like in the course of the game, like, whoa, well, I guess I got to get somebody up. It was like scramble mode. And he has a history of being late on the, at the switch. On the switch, at the switch, whichever one. The switch is not getting hit when the switch should be hit. And that's on him. You know, it's crazy to me that in game two, they're letting Tanaka go through the order three times after two rain delays. They don't let him do that on sunny days in July, never mind in the playoff. You know, uh, Loisaga, two guys on in the eighth inning, walks the first guy. You're still allowing to, to stay out there. Uh, he is slow at the switch. He has got to be quicker on that, especially considering that the bullpen this year is not the strength that it has been in the past. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. And of course, I, I can't. Uh, Ryan Hurley will send a, a text message that will shock me in the leg if I don't mention that. Of course, all the baseball games, all the Yankee games, right here, ninety eight point seven FM. ESPN New York, not just for the division series, no matter how long the Yankees go. Hopefully it's all the way to the World Series with another World Series title. Give us something to not have to uh, focus on the Jets and Giants exclusively. All right, let's get back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN. Brock in Wayne. He has been holding a very long time. Brock, what's going on, my man? 
Hey, Gordon. Good morning. Um, so, we're you know, people have been talking about Trevor Lawrence possibly not um, going out into the draft if the Jets get the number one pick. But one thing that I think would entice Trevor to come to the Jets is, like you mentioned before, getting a coach that's a leader of men. And I don't think there's any better leader of men out there um, that is also his name has been floating around for coach than Dabo Sweeney. And getting a package of Dabo Sweeney and Trevor Lawrence over to the Jets, it's a, you know, the, Trevor Lawrence will come because of Dabo and vice versa. What do you think about that? Well, look, it's it's a it's nice to to think, right? If I if I could push a button, uh, and I was a Jet fan, and I could push a button, that would certainly be a button that would be appealing to me. I, I don't know that the situation would be nearly as uh, appealing to Dabo as it would be for the Jet fan, right? Uh, if you yeah. get the number one pick and you think, okay, this is his time, he's going to jump, you think, at some point to the NFL, uh, Sweeney, not uh, Trevor, obviously, he's going to be sooner rather than later. I just don't know that that Jet situation. Uh, is the one that you would uh, be the one that Dabo Sweeney says, you know what, this is the time for me to make the move to the NFL. Uh, I, I like the idea, right? Leader of men, he's certainly that. And maybe money fixes everything, but I don't know that that's uh, an appealing situation. That's, I think, how bad the situation kind of is. Gordon, and who can change the culture of a football team better than Dabo as well? I mean, look what he did to Clemson. He could do yeah. the Jets. You know, got to entice him, though, obviously. Yeah. No, look, I mean, money is, is a big factor there, and uh, I would like to think that, uh, that the Jets, after the embarrassment of this season, and Brock, thanks for the call, they would be willing to um, say to themselves, you know, let's shoot the locks off the wallet and just go out. We have to find that savior, right? The reason why the Jets were able to turn it around so long ago from Richie Kotite was because they found that savior in Bill Parcells, and Bill Parcells came in immediately, and football the coach is, is, a, is a key me- – he's, he's the guy, right? You, you have to have a good coach to be able to uh, get the team turned around. You know, other sports, it's a little bit different. Basketball, it's much more about having that superstar player. In football, the coach is the guy. He's got to be able to take even the, even the not great players and get more production out of him than the other coach. So uh, it's not a terrible idea. I just don't know how appealing that would be to Dabo Sweeney. Like, if I would think if Dabo Sweetie makes it known to the powers that be, you know what, I'm ready to make the jump to the NFL. This is the year that I want to make that 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 leap. I would think that even in this year, that there would be opportunities that he would look at and say, I, th- I think I like that one better. It's, that, that, it's not going to be like he only has one option. He's going to have multiple options. Let's go to Artie in Brooklyn. Artie. Hey, good morning, bud. How's everything going? I'm good, Thanks man. What's going on? Call. Okay, so I don't know about Mark. I'm not his brother, but I have the same opinion. I'm not saying okay. the Jets are going to be this old. They could go winless. Mm-hmm. But in, 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 in football, with the salary cap, free agency, and everything else, the, the Jets got 11 picks. They're $30 million under the cap. They could turn this around. I'm not saying they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, but definitely a playoff contender next year. And it doesn't have to be getting Trevor Lawrence. Okay, the Jets have proved – and many other teams have proved that you don't have to be a good team and have a franchise quarterback. The Jets made it to two AFC championships, two, with a rookie quarterback, a junior year, that proven that he wasn't an NFL franchise quarterback in Sanchez. You have to have an offensive line and the other way around. The Green Bay Packers have the, one of the best that's ever played in quarterback position, won the Super Bowl, and have also proved that they could go, you know, 5-11 and 11 or whatever, 12, whatever. It, and yes, and and against Denver, did I expect them to win because there was a third-string quarterback? Yeah. But if you're looking at the game, people are complaining about, um, what's his name, the case. Fine, he's not the best coach in the world, but he's 
legitimately, he's got one year with Donald, okay? you got to evaluate. Just wait. If it's like this the rest of the year, you'll fire him after four games. If it's like this at the end of the year, fine. Go switch coaches, whatever. But to blame Gaze on the Denver game is ridiculous. They Why? Have no he's the head coach. Okay, wait. Hang on a second. Okay. He's the leader of the thing, but I'm just saying, you look at the game. They had their best cornerback who was playing just went out. They had backups after backups after backups. This guy passed. Who, the Jets or the Broncos? Because the Broncos are pretty banged up too. Yeah, I understand that. But even with that, you're trying to tell me that Denver had a hundred times better better players. They had a better offensive line. They had a better – how many sacks did we get on this weekend? They had a – the quarterback found out on Monday that he was starting, Artie. He was a third-string quarterback. That guy is going to be eventually replaced by Blake Bortles. Okay, hang on. The, the third-string quarterback also, even though he made some horrendous picks, also made some great throws. Right. Why is that? Because he was playing the Jets. Huh? Because he, he was playing the Jets. That's why he was that good. That's exactly. But the Jets did not have a full team. He was Artie, you, you don't. Artie, we don't get to. And look, thanks for the call. I love Artie's passion. But look, you can't. There's never going to be a time where everything's going to be perfect. You have to. Let's go. There's not. If you can't beat the Broncos at home on a short week where the, the other team is as banged up as they are, they have tons of injuries, too. And they're starting a quarterback who's a third straight, had never started a game before in his life in the NFL. And you can't win that game. And if you want, we can go through the individual things that the head coach is directly responsible. You have a chance. And we touched on this with Spike. I don't want to get too much into the game because it's a couple of days ago now. But you have a chance. You have the ball. You haven't won a game all year. You've been the laughing stock of the sport. You have to get half a yard. Half a yard. Keep the ball, keep dry, keep the possibility of getting a touchdown in that spot rather than kicking the field goal, taking a one-point lead, giving the ball back to the other team who's been moving it up and down the field all night. The only reason why is because he had a couple of bad picks, obviously, but they've been moving the ball all night, and their field goal kicker had already kicked a 54-yard field goal in that game. And you decide, you know what, give me the three. That is a horrendously bad decision. Horrendously bad. I can't. I, look, I didn't know how the show was going to go today. I did not think that we'd be getting calls defending Adam Gase at this point. I mean, I thought that that was pretty well established. That's what I'm talking about. Like, when I say we get tons of calls and not all of them are golden, that's a perfect example. No, obviously, Adam Gase is a terrible. I mean, by any metric, he's a terrible head coach. Now, I'm not saying that when you get rid of him, someone else is going to come in here right away and turn it around and they're going to be 11-5. and five. They got bigger problems than just him. Talent's a problem. Defense's a problem. Quarterback's a problem. But he's a big part of it. He's the coach. And you don't get to say, well, let's just wait until they're all healthy. Because here's the thing, and this is a little uncomfortable truth for the Jet fan. When you're a bad team, you're going to have more, bad, you're going to have more injuries. There's going to be more guys who are like, I'm going to get healthy for that? I'm going back to that? This is a business decision. I'm not, I'm not going back to that. Bad teams are always going, especially in a physical sport like football, you're always going to have more injuries on bad teams because when guys do have something going on, they're going to be more likely to kind of give up the rope a little bit. Game one against the Rays, obviously, on Monday, which 
with the way things are drawn up and the, and the fact that each game now is day after day after day, right? There's no breaks in between. You have to say, maybe even if it were breaks in between, game one for the Yankees is absolutely vital. Pretty much a must win, right? If Garrett Cole is going out there, you got to win those games. With the uncertainty of the bullpen, with the uncertainty of the other starters in the rotation, as great as the offense was against the Indians, this is a step up in class. So, uh, yeah, I think that game one is uh, pretty much uh, a must-win game. And, uh, you know, I was looking at uh, the, the, the Twins and how, you know, it's been now 18 straight playoff law. Could you imagine? Just think for a second. We're talking, we spent a good portion of the day talking about the Jets. But you know what? I'd actually rather be the Jets and just be awful than be good, get to the playoffs, and every single year not even have any hope. You'll lose every – it's not 18, play, 18 straight playoff series. It's not like you have some ups and downs. It's 18 playoff games in a row. What are the odds on that? Could you imagine if the Yankees got to the playoffs and lost 18, 18 years – or excuse me, 18 games in a row? The last time that they won a playoff game was 2004. The last time the Twins – Won a playoff game. It was actually against the Yankees. The Yankees had Ruben Sierra. <laughs> Bernie Williams was still playing for the Yankees. How about this? It was so long ago. It was before the Major League debut of Robinson Cano. That's how long it has been. 18 straight games you've lost in the playoffs. I would be taking call. People would be calling up. And the only thing they would have to say is, they just scream into the phone. Fu- ah! Steve in the car. Ah! All right, Steve, thanks for the call. Mike in the Bronx. Ah! 18 straight playoff games. Oh, my God, that is horrendous. That is really, really bad. That's almost impossible to do. And then you have the – and that's why I said before the playoffs got started, I looked at the, the teams were drawn up. The team that's dangerous, the team that, and they were talking about this on one of the broadcasts. A Rod completely whiffed on it. The team that's dangerous, that's not like a number one or a number two seed, it's the Astros. The Astros got the Twins in the opening round, and now they're going to get the A's in the next round. So Carlos Correa, who comes out after they beat the Twins, he's, oh, what are you guys going to say now? Dude, you beat the Twins. You're taking bows for beating the Twins in the playoffs? It's like beating the computer on rookie mode. I mean, come on. I, pre- I appreciate you embracing the villain. That's, that's good for baseball. But what are we going to say? We're going to say all the same things. Just when we say them on the radio, we'll leave out the curse words. The Twins, boy, oh, boy, that is just absolute, absolutely brutal. All right, so it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. Do you have the Kyrie Irving sound, Brian? All right, good. Let's let, we'll get into what Kyrie Irving had to say. He was talking on Kevin Durant's podcast, and you know when you first see the headline, I, I saw tweets or something. Oh, did you see what Kyrie had to say? And when it's Kyrie Irving, it really could it could kind of go anywhere, right? It could it really could be anything. So I wanted to hear what he said, but then when I heard at least the first thing of what he said, I'm like, wait a second, that's that's what we're all getting worked up about. So they shared a little back and forth on their new coach, Steve Nash. This is what Kyrie had to say about their new head coach, Steve Nash. It's also going to change the way we see coaches. I don't really see us having a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, I, KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. Jacques Vaughn could do it one day. It could, it could be, it can be, it's a collaborative effort, I think, on our part. 
Okay, so that's number one, where they're talking about a collaborative effort that, you know, Steve Nash is the head coach, but eh, anybody could be the head coach. And and people are, are getting all worked up about that. Play the second one too, Brian, because I think that's the one that I really want to attack. But play the second one as well. First of all, I want to give a shout out to Kenny Atkinson because, you know, some people came out and was like, yo, Kai and KD got Kenny fired. And look, that was completely false. Listen, Kenny was great for the group that he served. And I was very appreciative of, of what he was giving us um, throughout the season when we were playing. We always heard how great Nash was or saw how great Nash was as a player. But also when you get to know him as a person, you understand why he can coexist with us because we don't need somebody to come in and put their coaching philosophy on everything that we're doing and change up the wheel. And, yo, you guys need to start doing this. And we start running on the first day of practice. It's just like, no, <laughs> I, want, I want somebody. I need somebody that's going to understand that I am a human being first I serve my community and where I come from first. And then basketball is something I come and do every single day because I love. And also I have the right ingredients and people around me to come in and do my job at a high level. And I know that they will hold me accountable to that level. There's no disrespect to Kenny or any other coaches I play with. It's just Steve coming in at this moment and then following up with putting together a great coaching core was going to make us more successful. Okay. So that, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. And that second cut is not really the one that I have an issue with at all because he basically lays out to you, well, it's ridiculous that anyone would say that we got this guy fired. And then he lays out the reasons why they got the guy fired, right? Steve Nash is going to coincide. We don't need somebody to tell us what to do. So everybody's kind of hammering him for the first one about saying anybody – can be the head coach or that, you know, Kevin Durant saying it's a collaborative effort that one day it could be me one day. Are we really going to be surprised that he feels that way when it's pretty clear based on what has happened, based on what we knew even before they got to Brooklyn, that Kyrie Irving and especially Kevin Durant, they're bigger than the coach. When the Nets went out and got those guys, when you bring in, Big-time free agents, big-time talents, especially in the NBA where the talent is the king, right? We talk about the the, the football. It's, it's about a coach. In, in the NBA, it's about the talent, the high-end, premium, superstar talent. They run the show. So because the Nets handed – they had to kind of hand the organization over to them. And that's not a criticism of the Nets. Tons of teams. The Knicks would have been more than happy to turn the organization over to them. They couldn't get a meeting. So if, if they wanted Kenny Atkinson to still be there, it's pretty clear Kenny Atkinson would still have been there. If they wanted someone other than Steve Nash, Steve Nash would not have been the head coach. It's a player's league. Now, not for every player, but at the level of KD and Kyrie, Kyrie yeah, they're bigger than the coach. So why, do any, why does anybody have a problem with what he's saying? I mean, like, look, there's not that many examples of it. But do, does anyone honestly think the reason the Lakers are winning is because Frank Vogel is, is drawn up plays in the huddle? And uh, no, it's because they have the best. They have the two best players in uh, in the playoffs still. So and especially the number one best player in the entire sport. So the head coaching role for for Steve Nash, it's not about running some system or drawing up plays in the huddle. He's telling you we want somebody who can coexist with us. Right, run the other guys, but you kind of work for us, and it's all about relationships. 
And it's not real. I mean, it's different because the star player in the NBA has much more power. But remember when, when Aaron Boone and Mickey Calloway were hired by the Yankees and Mets and they talked about, you know, what, what did they talk about? Lineup construction? or No, they talked about, you know, we're going to, the relationship with the players and we're going to, it's not the same separation as it was before. It's different. And, and for, for Kyrie Irving, I get it. When he says things sometimes, it definitely does make you roll your eyes because him saying, wait, it's ridiculous that anybody thought that we got Kenny Atkinson fired. But here's why Kenny's not working here anymore. We couldn't get along. We wanted him out. Right. Yes, of course. They're the guys running the show. And the good news, right, for all the criticism that Kyrie and Kevin Durant, I guess, to a certain extent will get for this, any team would be willing to make that change. I mean, how many times do we see coaches... Well, it's not really maybe necessarily their fault, but it's between choosing between the star player and the coach. The star player wins every single time. And the good news for the Nets and the good news for Kyrie and, and KD, they're, they're, they're right. They will go much further with those two star players than lesser players and a really good coach. A lot of times in the NBA, you know, the teams that stay bad, you can change the coaches all you want. Unless you change the talent to a, a, a large degree, you're going to remain bad. Coaching is not that that important in the NBA, at least not nearly as much as the superstar talent. So for Kyrie Irving, I know it might be an uncomfortable truth. Hey, I don't need a head coach. Watch what the Nets do next year. If Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are both healthy, they're going to be a really good team. Now, the expectation is better than just a really good team. The expectation is they have to win a title. But it's going to be on them. It's not going to be on Steve Nash, and they know that. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.